Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Giovanna, or Gigi, from the First Gen Mentor. Gigi is a first-generation American who recently left her 9-to-5 job to launch her personal finance business. Her goal is to empower first-gen Americans through financial literacy. Gigi will share with us how she came to launch her business thanks to TikTok in only a couple of months. And secondly, we will as well have a very eye-opening discussion on the financial struggles of first-generation people and how we can all support each other. This episode is for you if you're looking to leverage or launch your business thanks to social media. And this is as well for you if you're a first-gen person struggling with your finances. We got you. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Giovanna or Gigi. How are you doing today? Hi, Jonathan. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm uh, doing fantastic and uh, glad to speak to you. I think it will be quite interesting to to speak to you because, yeah, we will talk about several topics. I mean, you are a financial educator recently. You're a TikTok influencer, financial TikTok influencer, and as well, you're first gen, first generation mentor. So I'm uh, curious to, to hear about all this. But before we start, maybe you can um, give us a quick introduction about yourself, uh, Giovanna. Yes, of course. So uh, my name is Giovanna. I go by Gigi. It's just a lot easier. Uh, so I am Mexican-American. I uh, reside in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, my parents are from Mexico. So they came and immigrated to this country, and, and I was um, the first-generation American, is what the term is. So um, a lot of my content is kind of from the lens of the first generation American. So, mm-hmm. uh, the education that I teach, uh, through financial education at universities, it's through the lens of first generation Americans, as well as my TikTok videos are also on building wealth from the lens of a first generation American. Okay. Very good. So yeah, let's talk a bit about TikTok because, uh, yeah, this is quite an intriguing, uh, platform. And, um, yeah, I saw you, you had, uh, I saw today you had a, about 146,000 followers. So that's quite impressive. Uh, So let's round it up to 150K. Uh So um, 150K followers, how long have you been busy with it? Uh, Not that long. So that's the amazing thing about TikTok. So I haven't been seriously creating content in this space, in personal finance space, I'd say until March of 2021. So what is that, six months? Mm -hmm. Wow, (laughs) that's quick. Yeah, so that's what's amazing about TikTok. And that's why I always encourage anybody to look into joining the platform because the growth that you can experience is really unmatched to other platforms. And I know this now because I'm trying to build my Instagram following and it's not as fast. (laughs) I think I'm at 1,400 followers. So it takes time, you know, and it's fine. I'm willing to put in the time, but uh, that was not my experience in TikTok. With TikTok, honestly, all it takes is one video going viral to get you uh, a lot of followers. No, very impressive. And um, but was it your goal to to really start publishing financial content on uh, TikTok, or how did that start? Yeah, no, not at all. And it's actually a fun story. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. So. Mm-hmm. 
I joined TikTok in March of 2020, like a lot of people did when the pandemic first hit. I think there was a big surge in downloads of the app because people just wanted a distraction from all the madness. Do you remember? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was one of those people that just joined for fun. And I was having a lot of fun just watching the videos, you know, laughing at all the silly stuff on the app. But what happened was in March of 2021, so of this year, I came across a video on the app and it was a video of a very privileged young white woman bragging about how law school was so easy for her because both her parents were attorneys. And if she ever struggled with any sort of assignments, she could always hop on a call with them and they'd help her through her homework. And that really bothered me as a first generation American because my parents aren't college educated. And that's the typical experience of other first generation Americans like myself. So you know, it bothered me and I'm like, oh, here we go. So I just was going to scroll and move on with my life. Mm-hmm. But um, I had a moment where I paused and I thought, wait, if this is bugging somebody like me who I graduated from college 10 years ago, I'm very established in my career. How would somebody who's a current student feel seeing a video like this? So on TikTok, you have a way to do a video response to other people's videos. It's called a stitch. So I stitched her video and on the video, I left a very uh, uplifting message to the first gen community. So I said, Hey, if you know, any first gen, if you see this, uh, don't feel unworthy because you don't have college educated parents. Like you're going to get through this. You're smart. You're resilient. You got the grit. You'll figure it out. You're going to do great. And the comments uh, were overwhelming of people saying, thank you so much for posting this. I saw the exact same video earlier today and I felt really crappy because I just didn't know how I was going to do it or I felt so alone. Thank you for saying this. It's been hard lately doing this completely Mm -hmm. on my own. So um, for me, that was kind of my little light bulb moment of instead of me just, you know, scrolling and looking at silly trends and not really adding much to the platform. I said, okay, this is um, something that I can do. I can, I can support the first gen community in this way. Um, and I can add my voice to the conversation. So for me, that was something very natural. I was already doing that on my free time. I was mentoring first gen students at my former college and I was teaching financial literacy pro bono at a nonprofit So I thought, okay, now I'm going to start making content where I'm supporting the first gen community Mm -hmm. through financial literacy. And I started seriously doing that. I would say, yeah, March of 2021. Okay. Well, very, (laughs) very good. Very, I mean, inspiring. I mean, because first uh, somebody posts some uh, stupid stuff on uh, TikTok. (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, uh, who cares about somebody bragging about their uh, uh, privileged uh, situation? I mean, it's okay. It can be fun. I don't know. (laughs) There's a lot of crazy stuff out there on TikTok. But I mean, you you turn it into something positive, and you're you're uh, making an impact and helping the people. So that's uh, that's really great. Because are you actually educated in finance, or are you a lawyer, or uh, what is your background? Just to know, uh, just to put some context. Yeah, happy to share my professional background. Yeah, so um, I have a bachelor's in economics, and my background is in financial services. I spent about three years working in insurance. But mm-hmm. the last seven, I've been working in investment management uh, for a bank most recently. So um, I do have a financial background and I've done a lot of reading on just personal finance. Yeah. Uh, and then I, uh, the other experience that I have is, is being that pro bono a financial literacy instructor, just knowing that this information is lacking in the community and spending my free time to try to get access to others. Okay, very good. So you're doing this page. 
it grows. Uh, it's uh, I mean, it's it's getting traction, so that's uh, that's uh, excellent. That's positive. You're um, expanding your page, and that's going well. And then this even leads you to um, to move to to change jobs. But maybe before we go there, you know, maybe there are some listeners, and they're like, okay, look, uh, I have some hobbies, or there are some stuff I want to talk about. I also want to uh, have a positive impact, or at least, or I want to grow my business. Is TikTok the right platform then? Or how can they do it? It definitely could be. I know so many business owners that uh, TikTok has catapulted their business because mm-hmm. of the virality, vi- excuse me, virality factor. <laughs> it's yeah. a hard word to say, virality, yeah. <laughs> virality factor on the platform. So um, it is definitely possible. It happened for me. It's happened for many people. And um, some tips I would say um, if you do want to be on the platform is it's very different from Instagram. So if you think that you're going to go onto the platform and use whatever you're using on Instagram, it's not going to work. People are going to, people are going to sniff that it is Instagram material and they're going to scroll. And that's the worst thing that they can do on your video to just keep scrolling. Mm -hmm. So, um, the way that I kind of describe both platforms for people to understand how different they are is Instagram is where people go and brag about how great their life is. They post their highlight reel, all their accomplishments, all their wins, their family's perfect. Um, and on TikTok, I mean, people get real raw. People get really authentic. People will share some deep, dark stuff that they've been through and it's received positively because people, um, I think people were deprived from that because of Instagram. It was so, you know, it's so curated and everything's perfect, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I think people were missing that very human element and that's definitely what's on TikTok. So you you hear people, like I said, just, I mean, think of the worst things people can go through. They share that experience. And then in the comment section, you'll go and they say, thank you for sharing this. I went through something similar and I thought I was the only one. So it really has that community building uh, effect. So if you can find how your business can have a niche and can serve you know, that a certain community or storytelling is really going to be good for your business. I would say somebody looking to start, you have to make your content either educational, inspiring, or entertaining. There's some people that just focus on on educational. Some people just focus on, on the entertaining stuff. They do, you know, comedy skits or whatnot. If you can have a combination of all three, then that's really going to help you because, you know, you're not a one trick pony. You have a lot to offer. Okay. Very good. And so, yeah, this uh, led you all to um, to actually start your business or did that grow in parallel or was that part of the plan? How did that all go together? It was definitely not part of the plan because okay. even, <laughs> yeah, even when I started uh, having a more focused, you know, approach to creating content. So in March when I said, okay, let me start making first gen financial mm-hmm. empowerment content. Even that, that was never, how can I monetize this? That never even came into my, I didn't even know that was a thing to be honest, as naive as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically started putting out tips that I would have liked as a young adult. And yeah. th- I started getting followers. I had a video that went viral that helped a lot with my following. Uh, but what started happening is I was started being contacted for opportunities. So I started having organizations reaching out to me and say, Hey, can you come and speak to our students about personal finance? We'll teach you, we'll pay you for this. And I thought, what people pay for this. I've been doing this for free. I didn't know that people actually got paid to teach people this stuff. So, uh, that happened over and over. And I'm like, wait, is there like a business opportunity here? 
Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I know, like I said, that just wasn't even, I was actually very happy at my nine to five. So I never thought, oh, this is a way for me to escape my nine to five. That wasn't in my brain space at all. Uh, the other opportunities were people saying, Hey, you know, I see that, you know, what you're talking about. Do you want, uh, are you available for one-on-one consultations? I'd love for you to review my finances. Uh, and then the other opportunities that I started getting was for brands, brands saying, Hey, you know, we, we love your audience. We love what you're talking about. How about we pay you X amount for you to post a video promoting our company? So, um, I started talking to my partner and we're like, wow, I think there's an opportunity here. Um, so I started doing it kind of as a side hustle, as people call it, mm-hmm. um, while having my full-time job and it ended up being too much. It was, it was a lot to juggle both with the meetings and scheduling and all that fun stuff. So, um, what happened was my company started talking about return to office in like May. This was before Delta variant was what it was now. So they had plans to have us return to office in September. And for me, that was kind of like my cat. My, I was at a fork in the road. I'm like, I can either go back to office. I'm probably going to have to cut back on my side hustle because I'm going to lose time. Right. Um, Or I can take a leap of faith and pursue this and see, you know, how my life goes. And I took, I took the leap of faith. And to be honest, even when I took the leap of faith, I still hadn't shut the door on my corporate career. I saw it as, okay, I'll spend a year, year and a half doing something fun that I love. And then I still Mm want to go back to my career because I worked so hard for it. But um, yeah, now that I've been out for three months, I'm definitely seeing that this is where I'm meant to be. Okay. So, so you, you took the leap, you quit (laughs) and how, what about your, um, okay. I see, obviously you will make some side income. You see the opportunities, but yeah. What about your finances? I mean, because I mean, it's not a decision you take lightly. I mean, it's okay if you have uh, some money on the side, but yeah. What was the reasoning here? Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, I have not replaced my income. I know that that's always a concern for people. Wait, Mm -hmm. so you quit your corporate job and are you still making the same kind of money? I am certainly not. Um, But what really helped me was that I did have my finances in order. I had mastered financial literacy. um, So I had taken some time to learn about how money worked. This wasn't something that was taught to me at school or at home um, or anywhere else. So I'd say the last three years, I really immersed myself in the personal finance world. I read over 50 personal finance books, and that's what it took for me to learn how money worked. So um, in doing that, I took my money very seriously. I, I, I moved from expensive Southern California. I was living in uh, San Diego, California, mm-hmm. and uh, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, which a lot of people are like, what? You're leaving the beach and you're going to the desert? Are you crazy? You know, because most people wouldn't do that. But I knew for me it was important to pay off debt. I had a lot of debt, um, credit card debt, and I still had student loans. And, um, I knew that moving to a lower cost of living would be able to afford me that opportunity. So, uh, in about two years, I managed to pay off all my debt as well as save an emergency fund. I never had a fully funded emergency fund. I only had like maybe a month or two. So, um, through this move, I was able to save six months in an emergency fund. And in addition to that, I was also saving for a sabbatical fund. So I was planning to, uh, quit my job temporarily to travel the world. And, um, I saved about eight months of my expenses for that. And then of course we all know what happened with the world. Traveling isn't really (laughs) 
something that's going on much these days. So um, I'm using that money. So the money that I was planning to use for a trip around the world, I'm using it to to launch my business. And yeah. that's why I'm able to kind of take the leap that I have now because of uh, me understanding money. Well, that's a quite a quite a yeah quite a trajectory, quite a journey. So I mean, everything worked out well for you. So that, so congratulations and I mean, Thank you. you prepared yourself as well. Huh? So it's not uh, it doesn't come out of the blue. You you score well on TikTok and then you can quit your job and uh, and and quit your nine to five. No, I mean it's well prepared. I mean you have the you have a safety net, so that's uh, that's good. And, and talking about uh, safety net and all this financial education, so you read a lot of books. Uh, you 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 had your emergency fund, but you mentioned, okay, I want to um, have an impact on first-gen people. Mm-hmm. So there may be listeners, I mean, everywhere around the world, they may be uh, as well first-generation in their country, different nationalities, etc. So what uh, are the typical challenges such first-generation people are facing when it comes to finances? I mean, there I know there are some other challenges, but just on the finances, what do you think is... Uh, yeah, the, the most crucial tips maybe in the U.S., uh, what are the most important problems? Yeah, so I actually did um, a FinCon speech exactly on this topic last week uh, on wealth building as a first-generation American. So I talked about how, you know, across the board, we all have the issue of the financial literacy gap. We're not taught this stuff, you know, at school, right? So I said at least some um, what I would call traditional Americans, so people whose country imi- Uh, people whose family immigrated here a couple of generations ago, whether that was, I don't know, four to six generations ago, they've been established in this country longer. And when you have roots in a country, you tend to learn a thing or two, right? About how Mm -hmm. things work, how banks work, credit cards, all this stuff. And you tend to pass that on to family. So even if you don't know everything about money, at least you probably learn some basics. I think that that's a pretty common experience with some of my American friends uh, whose family immigrated here generations ago, where that's very different from uh, an immigrant household and a first generation household, because the immigrant life is very hard. You know, an immigrant is adjusting to a brand new country, probably learning a new language and just learning a whole new way to do life. And uh, when you're just trying to survive in a new country, you don't really uh, have the space or the financial means to learn how to thrive. So Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a big challenge that we don't learn it at home, unlike some other people do, uh, not even the basics. And to compound that, (laughs) uh, something that I've seen experienced in my culture is uh, I'm Mexican-American. So the Mexican culture is very much uh, like a collectivist type of culture. So for anybody that's not familiar with the values in the collectivist culture, it's so you're supposed to be self-sacrificing, obedient, and put the group's needs before your own. And that's very different from uh, the American individualistic culture, where it's very much about being independent and self-reliant and paying your own bills. Uh, so there's a culture clash between mm-hmm. the two for, for first-generation Americans, which are navigating two cultures, the cultures of their home country in America and then the culture of their parents. So there's there's a lot of trouble that we have to go through because of that. And I most uh, mostly talk about, um, you know, family expecting help, right? Financial help because, hey, you know, we, we, we don't have the means and you're college educated and we need financial support. So while other Americans get to just focus on their journey and building wealth for themselves, we not only have to build wealth 
for ourselves, but also for our family, because we have to help our family with, you know, housing expenses or their retirement. That's a big concern for the first gen community that we have to not mm-hmm. only plan for our retirement, but also our parents. Yes. And actually it's funny because I mean, it's funny. <laughs> I, um, I saw one TikTok of yours today, actually, mm-hmm. where you say, no, I, uh, I'm setting boundaries for myself. Yeah. Uh, financially. Uh, and I'm not, uh, I don't know, like, uh, a I'm, bad still a respect, I'm still, yeah, I'm not a bad daughter. I'm still a respectful Latina. Yeah. So actually I, I was thinking it's about that, but I was not so sure, but now you mentioned collectivist individualistic. Yeah. So yeah, it was about that actually. So, so you're allowed, I mean, if you're Latina or if you are not, a, a, I mean, if you're a first gen immigrant who set these boundaries, I mean, how is that perceived then? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, I've, and I'm very open with my audience about this, about mm-hmm. the hardships that I've experienced because of this. Um, whether it's me agreeing to help financially, even though I was $50,000 in debt myself and I really was in no financial position to be giving anybody money or whether I finally said, you know what? No, I, I need the money for my own expenses. And then hearing, how dare you? You're ungrateful. This is your mother. This is your family. We did everything for you. So it's uh, it's very challenging to learn how to navigate that space because it is not well received. It is very much uh, seen as you're somebody that, yes, yeah, is ungrateful or you forgot your roots or you're white now and you became more Americanized. I've been told that by one of my followers. Yeah. Oh no, no. That video response that you're talking about, that's what they said. They said, no, thank you. I'm not going to accept the Americanized way. I'm going to do anything for my family. And what I encourage my audience to do is that's your prerogative. If you want to help your family at any expense, whether that means your mental health or your own finances, that's your money. And you can choose to do that. All I'm encouraging is for anybody to pause and to decide what's best for them. Okay, very good. Uh, and do you have a, an example? I mean, maybe it's a trick question, but I will ask it anyway. Sure. Be- because, okay, I'm aware. I mean, you just explained the, the challenges yeah. uh, of first-gen uh, people. Uh, mm-hmm. But what are, uh, for example, white people, to, to put that in uh, contrast? Sure. Is there some... Is there some action, some lessons for the white people um, as well that they can help or they can not help maybe, but at least what should they be aware of in general? For example, and and, and we spoke before the recording. I mean, even though I'm a colored guy, mm-hmm. I am, I've been raised in a white family because I'm adopted. So I'm, I'm thinking like a white man. So I don't have these issues of uh, first gen uh, myself and many listeners will not have those. So is there something we can do or we can think of or even lessons we can take from uh, first-gen people? Yeah. So are you asking how um, somebody that isn't from the first-gen community could support first-generation wealth builders? Yes. So there's two, it's twofold. So yeah. How can we support? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know, by your attitude, et cetera. I mean, you can tell. And then the, the, the next part is what are some lessons learned that we could actually learn that we may not think about? Okay, great. So yeah, um, and I addressed this in my speech too, because I think it's important to not just talk about the struggles, but to always Mm -hmm. end with actionable tips, right? And solutions. I'm very solutions oriented. Yes. So um, the three tips that I gave were um, for 
more privileged people to acknowledge their privilege. And I say this because I'm on a lot of Facebook groups where, you know, they're financial groups and people like to share, I just hit this huge financial milestone, $500,000 in my investment portfolio or whatever, you know, the milestone is. Mm -hmm. And there is never an acknowledgement of, you know, but I'd like to acknowledge that, you know, my parents paid for college or uh, when my father passed away, I got an inheritance of $50,000, whatever it is, generational wealth, right? Because that's not something that first generation Americans benefit from. We don't receive generational wealth because our parents are immigrants and most of them come here with nothing. So just that acknowledgement of privilege really goes a long way. And that's mm -hmm. a big reason why I got involved with financial literacy, because all the books that I read, they never acknowledge generational wealth or the privilege that comes with it. Uh, so that would be number one. Number two, I would say if you're somebody that does have a platform on social media, to use your platform to amplify the voices of BIPOC. So BIPOC is Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, or first-generation creators. Because basically what I see happen right now is Hispanic Heritage Month in the USA. And what you'll start seeing is you'll start seeing more Instagram posts about people sharing about, you know, if you want to support the Latino community, do this, do that. And I challenge people to, instead of doing that, how about you have a Latino or Latina creator talk on your platform and introduce your audience to them and encourage your audience to follow them and reshare their posts, uh, tag them, have them on your podcast. Like those are ways to support and elevate the work that they're doing year round, not just for mm -hmm. Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, what was my tip number three? Oh, look, oh Lord, I'm blanking. <laughs> Oh, mentorship, mentorship. Mm -hmm. Tip number three is mentorship. So uh, I said, I, as, as a mentor myself, I know that mentor mentorship does have to be organic. So you can't just force somebody to be a mentor, but I said, start looking around the community. You're going to start seeing faces of people that are showing up in this space. And uh, if you find somebody that you resonate with, that your personality, you know, kind of clicks, reach out to them and introduce yourself. You know, if you have a couple of years of experience in the industry, reach out and say, Hey, you know, I'd love to to give you some pointers if you ever are interested in picking my brain or if you have some contacts in your network that they can benefit from make that introduction but um, give us resources so that we can help our continue to serve our community right a lot of the times we lack the resources or the network so if you're somebody more established in this space that's a way that you can support us mm -hmm. no very good tips mm -hmm. and then um, no and i like the mentorship because it's uh, something i uh I've seen myself in my uh, private life. Huh? I see sometimes people struggling with money. I'm like, but listen to my podcast. No, <laughs> no but, but I'm saying, look, uh, hey, if you want, we can have a chat or uh, look, maybe we, we should consider this or that, or this is the book or uh, this has helped me and with my finances. I mean, this is why I'm doing this. Huh? I mean, to, to help the people, at least finances, I mean, regardless of uh, community or whatever, I mean, in, in general. So no, very good. And then uh, Gigi, so the, the the second part of the of the question, um, that's the tricky part, maybe. Mm -hmm. Are there some actually lessons learned financially then from uh, first gens uh, for privileged people? Then is there something? What can we learn uh, from the way you handle your finances? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I can paint a picture of, you know, how life events affect us differently, right? So, most mm -hmm. recently, um, there was a death in the family. So. Something that I've seen circulating the internet 
uh, will always be like, what to do when you receive a windfall? I didn't even know what a windfall was. I had to look it up. So I found that a windfall is when you receive, you know, a large lump of money. And, you know, sometimes the article would be in reference to an inheritance. So uh, I remember seeing stuff like that and seeing that it wouldn't speak to me because I've never received an inheritance. I'm never going to be receiving an inheritance just because of my, my family's immigrant background. And, um, so yeah, so while somebody who's has more established roots in this country, if grandma, you know, grandma Georgina dies, <laughs> you get to inherit, you know, it's a sad day because grandma died, but you know, you got $50,000 that she's inheriting to you. Right. And that mm-hmm. is money that you can start, you know, buy a home with or buy rental properties or whatever you decide to do with that money, get an education where, um, with us, there was a death in my family, uh, earlier this month, and I'm not going to be receiving any money, which I knew, but in addition to not receiving money, I'm expected to pay money. So I, I'm expected to help with the cremation costs. They already sent me, um, you know, how much I'm expected to contribute and mm-hmm. I'm fine with doing that. That's something that I'm willing to do for my family, but that's a dark contrast to what happens in um, somebody that's more privileged, right? They receive money where we don't receive money and then we have to pay money. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we need to, that we can be aware of that. I mean, not everybody has this windfalls and stuff like this, um, but uh, are, are there ways that he, the way you handle money that we, we can still learn from? I mean, in the sense of uh, actionable tips that you do that maybe, hey, why don't white privilege, I mean, or white people, or why don't privileged people do it like us for money? I mean. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. I know what's very popular in uh, the Mexican community is we have what are called cundinas. <laughs> uh, so it's basically like a, a savings plan amongst the community. Have you heard of anything like that? No, but is it, uh, I mean, I know about microfinance and. Uh, and yeah, all. it's essentially, that's essentially what it is. <laughs> okay. So because I'm, I'm supporting a project and the thing is it's in Africa, but then the, the, the tribes or the, the villagers, mm-hmm. they, they start their journey by saving, um, yep. uh, contributing to a saving spot, and then uh, the, all, the, all the villagers, and then they start to get jobs, and then they can take a loan from that saving spot, and then, okay, then they contribute, and then they continue, then they move on. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. I know we have mm-hmm. that in our community. Uh, so yeah, to give you an example, let's say that there's uh, 12 people, and then everybody puts $100 for the pot. So then the first person that would get the chance to use the $1,200 they get it one month then the next person. Right. And that's the way that they have a large inflow to money while only putting a hundred, but they'll mm-hmm. eventually pay it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think something that maybe other people could take from our culture is just uh, making it more human. I mean, I do see sometimes because of the individualistic culture, it's always like, no, this person should have had this figured out. I took care of myself. Why can't they figure it out? So maybe having a little bit more compassion and maybe adopting some of those parts of the collectivist culture where it's more community-based. And I think there's a balance. I think everybody has to kind of strike the balance that works for them and their values. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something to be learned there about the collectivist culture. Yeah, no, very good. This is uh, exactly what I was looking for. I mean, not this tip, but uh, this example is great. And it reminds me a bit of a, a course I had at university on intercultural communication, where one of the... Uh, differences between the East and the West is this collectivist, individualistic cultures. And what I remember is that we always took the example of Japan or, I don't know, China, I mean, Asia, compared to Western Europe, because, but it's far from each other. And then when you talk, the, the striking thing is that you have collectivists in Mexico 
just across the border of uh, San Diego, for example, you know, right. it's, uh, of the U.S. So it's so close yet so far. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just a it's just a world of a difference. Just you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very good. Okay. Well, Gigi, I think that was uh, quite a lot of information, and uh, uh, I want to thank you for sharing your stories and uh, yeah, your TikTok tips, your uh, career move uh, with a uh, good preparation, and then as well uh, your uh, yeah your your personal stories in uh, with regards to uh, first gen. And uh, thank you for all the work you do for the for the people and to inspire other people to to have a good impact as well in on TikTok or wherever it is. You know, social media has always a bad rep. So thanks for all you do. And then, <laughs> Gigi, before I let you go, we always have, as you may know, or three quick fire questions. Mm -hmm. So are you ready? Yeah. Yep. Very good. So, uh, yeah, Gigi, uh, you have your emergency fund. You've started your business, but we didn't talk about investments. But so do you know what, I mean, what has been your best investment so far? Uh, I would say the investment in my education, because mm -hmm. in America, it, you do have to kind of, if you don't come from, from somebody, you know, who a privilege, a financial privilege, you do have to take out debt for, for, for education. I mean, there's a lot of grants and scholarships and whatnot, but school is so expensive here that uh, a lot of us people like my background have to take on debt. So for me, that was a little scary being a, you know, 19 year old and having to make such a big financial decision. But uh, now at 32, I'm just very thankful for the 19 year old Gigi that took that chance because mm -hmm. um, having that education has just opened so many doors for me. And, you know, it wasn't fun to pay off $35,000 in student loans uh, while other people got to do more fun stuff with, with that money that they were earning from their job. But now that that's passed me and I'm debt-free, I can definitely say that I have no regrets about my education and it's the best investment I've made in myself. Oh, very good. <laughs> and then the question number two is, what is the best book you can recommend to anyone? It does not need to be a financial book. Yeah. So um, I, it is a financial book <laughs> just because it changed my that's life. Fine too. <laughs> yeah, it, it changed my life and I'm able to, yeah. you know, have the life that I have now because of this book. So I had read other financial books before this one and, and I knew, okay, you know, money's something that I should prioritize, but eh, you know, maybe some other day, but it wasn't until I read smart women finish rich, which is um, a book written by David Bach about 20 years ago now, maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. he's updated it. But um, yeah, for people that aren't familiar with David Bach, he's most famous, I believe, for the automatic millionaire. Yeah. And, and uh, but yeah, but he wrote one uh, specifically for women. And the reason that that book changed my life and it made me take money more seriously was because it was the first book where... Uh, an author told me, you know, getting your money right isn't about like, oh, let's be, be the most, let's be the most rich and let's have a high 401k and, you know, all these investments. It's about giving you freedom to have the life that you want to have. And, and I had never read a book that had kind of described it in those words. Um, it was always very practical. This is what a high yield savings account, this is what a stock is, you know? So it was all the practicalities, but never about the values, uh, about you living in alignment with your values and, and having the freedom to craft the life that you wanted. So that would be my favorite book. Okay, very good. I will uh, <laughs> link it as well in the, in the show notes so people can find it. So very good. And then the last question is, what is a purchase you can recommend for under $100? Yeah, so this is a fun one. So this one is uh, my booty kicker. So uh, my booty kicker is, it's an at-home bar. Do you know what bar is like to work out? 
Yeah, like uh, I mean, like a bar. I mean, like to to do push-ups. I mean, to to pull-ups, maybe or. No, so bar, no? it's uh, it's kind of like a mix between, what would you say, maybe like... It's like a big stick, uh, like a rod or what? No. Yeah, it's like a big rod made out of wood, but mm -hmm. uh, bar class is spelled B-A-R-R-E. So it's a class, it's a fitness class where you go and you do kind of like ballerina slash Pilates inspired movements. Okay, uh, to work so out. Not, not for me yet. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. There's a lot of men that go to bar. Okay. It could be. But yeah, I've always wanted to try a bar, but uh, bar memberships at a studio are pretty expensive, usually at least $100 a month. And uh, with the pandemic, uh, I found a portable bar. So it's a bar that you have at home and, and it was like about $80. And now I get to use it at home with a streaming subscription. Uh, I used it this morning and uh, it's, 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 I feel like I'm at a bar, you know, in a professional bar, but I'm not mm -hmm. paying the high cost. So it's, it's a great investment. It keeps me motivated. Yeah, perfect. Okay, very good. So um, yeah, Gigi, obviously the listeners can find you on TikTok. So uh, what <laughs> is your account actually? Yeah, so on TikTok, you can find me. My handle is at the first gen mentor. Mm -hmm. I'm also on Instagram. My handle there is a bit different. It's Gigi, the first gen mentor. And um, you can check out my website if you're interested on one-on-one -on -one money coaching or financial literacy workshops at your university. And that's my website, uh, thefirstgenmentor.com. Okay, perfect. I will link it all up so uh, the listeners can find you and uh, yeah, follow you as well uh, on uh, social media, at least from here. Uh, in Europe and then uh, yeah for US yeah well uh, why not uh, have a GG uh, come at your university that's fantastic <laughs> I would love that I love Europe <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not you, you're welcome here too huh? but uh, <laughs> who knows yeah. anyway so GG uh, thank you a lot it was a pleasure to uh, to talk to you and definitely uh, yeah thank you again for all you for all what you do thank you so much Jonathan thank you for having me on the podcast I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it and if you found it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend, or you can also rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And now let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, TikTok. You can gain followers pretty fast thanks to the virality of the platform. I mean, Gigi managed to gather 150k followers in approximately six months. That's quite impressive. And it all started with turning a negative event into a positive one with a video response, a stitch as she called. So, so who knows what you can do with that. The thing is, she found out how she could support her community and add voice to the conversation. This is what started it all. TikTok is not Instagram. I mean, people get real, raw and more authentic. There is a bigger human element to it. It's not like Instagram where it's more about bragging and looking good. And then for your content strategy, make either educational, inspiring or entertaining content or a combination of the three that will serve your audience. Number two, opportunities that can come with TikTok or social media in general. Teaching opportunities. People will start to ask as well to do consultation one-on-one. -on -one. Brands may reach out to promote their products or services. And the tip here is to start all these activities as a side hustle and see where it can take you. Number three, finances. Gigi took a leap indeed to leave her stable job, but her finances were in order. She had spent the time understanding money and she had a full emergency fund and an eight-month sabbatical fund. Number four, first-generation issues. When you move to another country, you need to adjust to a new country, a language. It takes time to adapt and to learn how things work financially, especially, you know, compared to a local person 
who has been there for several generations. I mean, the information has been passed down and most probably the generational wealth as well. If you come from a collectivistic culture or an individualistic culture, this culture difference will play a big role in your finances. And if you are from a collectivistic culture, you can still set boundaries and help yourself first. What Gigi encourages is to take a pause and decide what is best for you. What are some of the ways us, between brackets, white people can help? We can acknowledge our privilege, inheritance, generational wealth, etc. We can use our platforms, if we are content creator, to amplify the voices of BIPOC or first-generation creators. So BIPOC stands for uh, Black, Indigenous or People of Color. And that could be as well a specific community in your country. And third tip, we can also help with the mentorship or find resources to help somebody. And last but not least, what are some lessons individualistic communities can learn from collectivist communities? Yeah, we could adopt a microfinance technique, such as a saving plan among the community, for example. We could help each other this way. And then maybe the conclusion of this episode is, uh, yeah, let's make finances more human, more compassionate, and sometimes more community-based. Let's find that balance. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.